Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Arwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 4, Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend, Episode 103. Abigail Thrun, having just departed her own meeting with Savar, finds for herself an unremarkable room of Project Lawful. The Queen then orders her most trusted security on staff, one with a friendly and well-paid agreement with Abigail Thrun to eventually let himself be made a statue until after the Queen's death, should the Queen's own end not come before his. Because the Queen doesn't want some things spread about in hell while she's alive, to tell Meritzel to come by for her terribly exciting secret meeting. Meritzel, terribly excited, arrives. She knows that probably the queen's attention is a bad thing. However, Carissa Saver has it, and Meritzel is a very competitive person. Abigail Thrun approves of her attitude, in fact. Meritzel is not quite Abigail Thrun before she donned the crown of infernal majesty, but she's surely closer than some. Rise. I overheard your thought before about wanting to be one of the interesting girls. I'd already planned to make a certain arrangement with you that will, I suppose, make you somewhat more interesting. This will involve some nighttime teleports to and from Igorian once your ring of sustenance kicks for you, and a license to commit what would be, for anyone but you, massive treason. But it is perhaps worth going to greater lengths than that, so long as we are about it. You see, it occurs to me that it would perhaps be well to have one uncomplicated, unheretical Asmodean not touched by any other gods among Keltham's romantic interests. I have no idea if we can make you interesting enough to qualify as a true romantic interest to Keltham, but I'm willing to try. Anything your heart might be set upon already? Meritzel is speechless for a moment because of how she has just had all of her wildest dreams offered to her because of her uncomplicated, unheretical Asmodeanness and desire to be interesting, which is better than her wildest dreams. And she learned lucid dreaming so as to eventually be able to fuck with people in elaborate mindscapes and has some pretty weird dreams. I haven't given the question much thought, she says. The first thing that is coming to mind is being secretly part dragon but she's pretty sure you can't suddenly become part dragon. Or, actually, Keltham says he can't fall in love with me unless I enjoy it when he hurts me. Is that... can you... It wouldn't be easy. Scribes binding, maybe? Miracle? I'm not sure Asmodeus would be willing to grant any miracles targeting someone who was clearly to return to this interdiction zone. Keltham would ask questions. I suppose it's not especially more likely to happen in the conspiracy than in Alter Cheliax. Well, except for the amount of government attention on the project, it implies, if you can have a Ninth Circle scroll of extremely Alter Cheliax, forbidden mind control used on you, though Keltham need not know that something quite so drastic was required, but then what if he asks for it to be used again? To be clear, we are trying to do this without making Asmodia sad. Alas! There would be so many more exciting options if not for that. I wrote to my cleric mother and she said she'd try to obtain some expensive secret things for me. We'll work on Keltham, says Meritzel determinedly, rather than try to fathom the concept of using a miracle on this. Or we'll have to sort out whether we're allowed to talk to our parents and what they know, but we should sort that out anyway. 
We were planning to at some point make Keltham aware Scribe's binding exists, so he'll decide there's definitely not a conspiracy. She is rambling. One should not ramble at the Queen. I don't think I have requests other than that. What would you have of me? Due time, Meritzel. Due time. You becoming a masochist, even if we could do that, would not itself make you more interesting than Yaisa, even if it was done in an interesting way. I do know a baron with no heir, who owes me a rather severe favor, and for you to secretly be his heir. Honestly, it strikes me as just too uncreative. I feel there must be something better to do with your character. But we can fall back on that if we lack better options. Gregoria's got that says Meritzel with considerable irritation at Gregoria. I mean, she's not a baron's heir, but she's a baron's heir's daughter, and we can't have two, I would imagine, your majesty. Her tone softening as she goes on with the sentence and remembers she is not remotely in a conversation with a classmate. Long-lost twin? No, that's boring, too, and obviously tropey. Kidnapped by some foreign government that wants to learn the secrets of Project Lawful and tortured horribly, but conveniently now I'm into that. Asmodea is absolutely going to veto that. Contacted by the agents of a foreign government who offered me wealth and power beyond my wildest dreams if I deliver them Keltham, or even his lecture notes. And like a responsible person, I reported this immediately, but I do want to see how much wealth and power beyond my wildest dreams I can squeeze out of them before they catch on. Perhaps Alter Cheliax is openly, deliberately making you more interesting, such as by appointing you para-baroness to test whether this causes you to have always matched one of Keltham's fetishes other than sadism. Well, the problem there is, what if that works? Though I don't expect it would be all that damning, by Keltham's rules, unless the quality is very rare and we can't pretend it's more common I don't suppose you have a conveniently long-held fantasy about some way you could become something greater than what you are now. Quickly, if you had access to moderately vast resources to bring it about. I sort of always figured I'd uncover a treacherous plot against the crown and get an important appointment out of it and have an ominous laboratory that glows for no particular reason, but all of that's objectively less interesting than Project Lawful. Maybe if it was a really good plot against the crown. She could catch Carissa plotting against the crown, that'd be dramatically interesting. And Carissa'd get in trouble, and Keltham would intervene and say she's his, and Cheliax can't break his things, and that'd be progress. That's an Ione or Asmodia plan, by which Meritzel means too clever by half. Meritzel is clever, but not actually too clever by half. Mm, well, we both have some time to think about it. As to the purpose for which I initially selected you... The first step is for you to become exceptionally familiar with the sight of my naked body. Meritzel blinks rapidly in confusion. She's not actually particularly interested in women, not that she expects that to matter or cares very much about it herself. No, the reason for that request is impersonation. Abigail wants Meritzel. To impersonate her? Sure, seems reasonable. For what? Indeed. The first step is for you to become able to, by alter self and disguise self, impersonate my body. Asking you to impersonate my demeanor is a bit much, of course. Even altered and disguised, it is unlikely that anyone would mistake you for myself for very long at all. But that particular mistake is not one we shall be requiring anyone to make. 
we can talk about the second step of the plan after you master the first. While we may perhaps end up discussing with others the possibilities for granting you a more interesting background, the matter of you learning to don my bodily form is very, very secret, including from Sevar, Mayalyol, Subirax, and literally everyone else besides the Most High. Security will be instructed accordingly. Do not simply acknowledge that order, repeat it back to me. I am ordered to learn to use alter self and disguise self to impersonate your body. This is secret, from everyone including Savar and Mayayol and Subirox, and security knows that, so if I think about it, they presumably won't report that. Is there a specific lie I should tell if somehow it comes to their attention? Keltham seems to think Abergail Thrun looks hotter than you do, and this Temeritzel is something that bothers you and leads to the thought that you could be better at seducing Keltham if only you also had my body. I heard you thinking that, smiled mysteriously at you and granted you the secret permission. Nod. May I have a hair clipping to use as the focus for the altar self? A light flick of her will, and one long strand is severed from Abigail Thrun's head, coiled into a ring and presented to Meritzel. Let us hope that this is the start of a fruitful partnership, says Abigail Thrun. She's not sure that the ominous wordplay helps with anything, but who knows? Perhaps it might. Meritzel takes it very carefully, as one who is pretty sure all her dreams have come true and who is already at work on more ambitious dreams. It is her most fervent desire to serve very well, and she can't think of a non-stupid way to say that, but she suspects that her infernal magistrix knows. PL timestamp, day 9, 7, morning PL, stamp. Osirian, Sothis, Black Dome. Well, I noticed the odds of the destruction of the multiverse are down to 3%. Did you do that? Do you mean, did I move the market? Yes, of course I did. Or did I take actions that reduced the odds of the destruction of the multiverse by 7%? I did not do that. Oh, good. I would have to give you such a raise, and I'm not sure the treasury could stand it. The multiverse getting destroyed looks less likely because we have a more completely satisfying account of Atollmens' cause for concern. Keltham, being from another world with more advanced technology, is basically sufficient to explain all her interventions so far. It also fell some off, Keltham getting petrified again for the second time in three days because that moves our timelines on how long. Cheliacs can hold on to him in an optimistic direction and the multiverse is less likely to get destroyed if he gets out sooner before he's taught them too much. I might change my mind on that once I get a close look at the interim contracts he's drawn up. Abadar can see contracts just fine in nearly human amounts of detail, but conveying them to the pharaoh is still completely incapacitating, and they have to work carefully around anything that'll leave the pharaoh insensible for a day, with as many things up in the air as are at present tomorrow, if nothing comes up. There's actually something I was here to ask about. Is not the kind of thing he'd usually miss, even with a god headache. Uh, go ahead. Last Wall wants to buy all our chelish intelligence, and warns that, uh, Caden Kylian's Project Lawful Contribution is apparently helping Cheliacs track down and deport all Last Wall's intelligence apparatus, including people who worked for someone else, but indirectly for Last Wall. And so therefore, that selling it to them might make us subject to the mysterious, possibly cake-related forces that have scourged their own people. Well, at least it's not anything weird. Caden Kalian doesn't have temples, 
it's not on theme. In Absalom, where he ascended, there's a tavern cathouse run by a wife and husband pair, a madam and a brewmaster. The drink there isn't especially expensive. Neither are the women. They're tapped by removed disease weekly, which usually costs a hefty premium, but the women here tend to run older and not as pretty as most in that tier of the profession. If you want to regenerate on your missing hand, don't bother waving around 750 GP, not here. They don't want the kind of custom that would bring them if anything that expensive were sold here for money. Try saying under truth spell that you lost your hand during a drunken fight with a nobleman's bodyguard after the nobleman kicked a beggar in front of you. So afterwards you might get a drink poured for you that also can't be bought with money, and a night of warmth that's real. Neither the wife nor the husband has grand high anything in front of their titles, or indeed any particular titles at all. It is the center of Caden Kalian's faith in Golarion, if anything is. The revelry in that place has been diminished these last few days since the gods fought. You too, the swashbuckling swordsman in leather armor says to the somber-looking barkeep, as one of the special drinks is drawn for him. Yeah. They haven't lost all their spells. They've lost some of their spells. Higher-level ones in particular. Caden Kalian is still able to grant a regenerate, it seems, if that is necessary to restore the missing hand of some drunken do-gooder. Any idea why, says the swashbuckler to the barkeep? Sent from him or otherwise? I'm sure not getting any touches of reassurance about it. The barkeep shakes his head. Nothing direct, and what I'm getting implied from the tavern rumors that he might influence from the wanderers that might be drawn here by his will. It's not... There's moisture in the barkeep's eyes. The swashbuckler sips his drink. It's still pretty good. If there's news that bad, it's not going to get better if you delay in the telling. The tavern rumors are leaning that he sacrificed too much of his divinity fighting against Zon Kuthon, so that Zon Kuthon would die inside the vault after being sealed there. Just, you know, the obvious stupid stuff that drunks make up, because, because how would they know even if that was true, right? Probably made up after they heard rumors about his clerics losing some of their spells, and put that together with Cheliak's cutting into Nadal faster than expected. The swashbuckler nods. I don't suppose the tavern rumors say that it's just temporary, and he'll recover in a year, or a century. Priestesses of Desna and Shellen have been wandering in on impulse. They don't know what this place is, but when they get here, they tend to feel an impulse to preach, to our faithful. There's tears running down the barkeep's cheeks now. Some of the other drinkers look uncomfortable, but not surprised, like this is a sight they've seen before. Oh, the swashbuckler says. Do we know how long? The barkeep shakes his head. The swashbuckler realizes, somewhat to his own surprise, that he's also crying. Well, he had a good run, since he first got drunk enough to go for the Starstone. You know, having that actually work was more than anyone could have expected, really. And if the tavern rumors are true, it's a fine way to finally go. The barkeep pours himself a glass, a small one, because it's not the first time he's had this conversation today, and won't be the last, and clinks it against the last of the swashbuckler's beer. To Caden Kalian. To Caden Kalian. They drink. He's obviously not actually dead, the swashbuckler says after that. I'm still getting spells, you're still getting spells. He could just be warning us that it might happen, telling us we might need to find a new deity or else adjust our lifestyles, 
sometime soon. Making sure we're not taken by surprise if it happens. Hell of a way to warn us if it's just a possibility. He might still pull through. He's lucky that way, right? Practically the god of having things unexpectedly work out okay. If he lives, I will plane shift to Elysium so I can personally punch him in the fucking face. PL timestamp, day 9-7. Late morning, PL place a stamp, O'Tolman's containment zone. Project, lawful main site. Jacint Subirox slides a slim folder across the table, the first of many. I suppose I may as well start with the only Native Intelligence 19 candidate that turned up in the right age bracket. Wisdom 15, Second Circle Wizard, was definitely angling for the research track. Loyalty mind reads consistent with someone keeping their head down, doing well in school, aiming for a comfortable life in magical research or crafting, not thinking a lot about what happens after that life ends, no unusual heresies or resentments, enough submission and masochism to be trainable without much difficulty, not very ambitious, a follower, not a leader, mathematical talent high, more outstanding at that than at wizardry. There is, of course, the obvious sticking point, and I expect you'll turn this one down but it seemed worth checking if you wanted to apply the obvious fix. Alter Cheliacs wouldn't. I'm worried that sex has weird correlates beneath the surface somewhere, which a potion won't fix and Keltham will notice. I guess he could be open about having done it and claim it was voluntary. Does that imply weird things? Preventing pregnancy would be cheaper if sex change potions were incredibly cheap, but they could be in the price range a wizard can afford without changing society much. Let's see how much better he is than the other candidates and come back to it. Jacint slides another folder across to her. Intelligence 18, Wisdom 17. One point ahead of Asmodia in both. Personality traits? Well, you read it. Raised by a wizard father, an accomplished devil binder, who decided to have his children raised by devils and cut off entirely from the rest of human civilization in case they ended up more Asmodean that way. Eight kids, four suicides, but this one turned out well. Loyal, incredibly smart, third circle already at age 18, having been tutored privately rather than going to a wizarding academy. She is noted not to be good at talking to other human beings. Splendor could probably fix that. Very cool experiment, but we absolutely can't use that. Or maybe she can be separately tutored in law, but Keltham can't meet her. Another folder. Intelligence 18, Wisdom 16, Second Circle. Faint tiefling ancestry, only visible in pointed ears and slitted, brightly colored eyes. She played it up heavily at her wizard academy, and pretended to be half-vampire and half-succubus at anyone foolish enough to buy a young girl's bluff. Not particularly submissive, masochistic enough to be less scared of hell than most. Terrorized what other students she could, but always acted with great obedience and discipline towards those formerly above her in the chain of command. If that one works out terribly, what went wrong? Gets Keltham thinking about non-humans? No, actually, I think that's fine. It's a tangent where we don't have anything to hide. I guess we'll have to make a call about whether Alter Galarian has succubi. But I lean, yes, we're not pretending the Abyss is nice. Yeah, all right. Let's show her to him. Next file.
Intelligence 18, Wisdom 17, Boy aged 22, he'd be pulled back from the world wound. Clean disciplinary record, notably good at math, enjoys coming up with elaborate torture variant potions in his free time. Not a match for Keltham sex-wise, even if they made him into a girl. Probably makes sense to present Keltham with some boys. Even if it makes him jealous, that seems potentially productive. Well, I assume... Actually, who originally made the policy decision that we wanted to go on presenting Keltham only with girls if possible? Was that you, or my all, or... I want more masochist girls we can potentially distract him with, but I haven't said it should only be girls. I think the... tropes might want it to be girls, but we don't know if they're real, and I don't know what happens if we defy them. Anyway, Alter Cheliax's government mostly is interested in the engineering stuff here, and it'd be silly to gender segregate that. It's possible that Jacint may have misunderstood the Chosen's will here. But Jacint did say that she'd go hunting for masochistic female mathematicians, and the Chosen didn't tell her not to. Admittedly, Jacint is, in theory, Sevar's superior. Oh well, they sent her some boys anyways. I would not be too surprised, under his circumstances, if Keltham finds himself mysteriously dissatisfied with all the male candidates. Or, if the tropes try to stop us from adding males, do they do anything visible that Keltham would notice? Like mysterious accidents occurring to all the males he chooses. Maybe. I think things so far have been... not subtler, they haven't been subtle at all, but not accidents. They've all been the product of some agent doing things for its own reasons. This might be a question Alter Cheliax just brings to Keltham, if they're still worried about tropes, though they're much less worried than us about tropes because Carissa sold her soul without incident and Asmodia doesn't have superpowers. Uh, tropes are probably real and Alter. Cheliax doesn't think so, which doesn't feel very sustainable at all. How many good candidates do we have if we leave out the boys? We have about five-sixths of the candidates. But all the boys they included were boys where somebody decided, maybe this one's good enough to be worth an elixir of sex shifting. And while in some cases those judgments seem a bit questionable, still. Next folder. Intelligence, 18. Possibly 19. Ish, it detected as 19. Once but eighteen all other times tried. Wisdom, fourteen. Intellectual achievements include mastering a dozen different languages and punching above her weight in wondrous items crafting classes, sped through her math classes in academy, neither submissive nor masochistic, spotted history of disciplinary problems related to taking orders from people she deems less intelligent than herself, but those seem to have yielded to correction. Loyalty scans show that her overt loyalty to Asmodeus is heavily predicated on imagining him as a supremely intelligent mastermind. Did not require much correction from the church to look out solely for herself first and foremost within her own thoughts, holds non-lawful evil alignments in genuine contempt. Jacint comments that this is a known personality type that would desert Cheliax if given a clear opportunity but tends to fall promptly into line once forced to sell her soul. Yacint is not quite sure what happens if you force her to sell her soul and then try to turn her into a Dathilani. 
but it seems to Jacint that if they go with all meek obedient engineers, then those will be lacking some fire that is probably important. Next candidate. Intelligence 16, Wisdom 18, Splendor 8, Barely 2 in circle, Submissive masochistic slave nature, Unusually pretty. Left something of a mess by her school experiences and her difficulty in placing herself as anything but a victim there, struggling through by sheer force of academic effort and excellence. Younger than Keltham, but within his stated one-year age difference limit, if they don't want to lie about that. Did excellently at the mathematical part of the curriculum, punching well above her measured intelligence level. Her theology is whatever she thinks she's been told her theology is, by the last person who looked like an authority and told her that. She has no signs of theological opinions otherwise. Jacint comments that this is somebody who might actually fall in love with Keltham if he showed her kindness, assuming that this problem was not otherwise headed off at the pass, which Jacint is pretty sure she can do. Or if Carissa Sever herself happens to want a slave in love with her, it wouldn't take long. It seems inefficient to be kind to people, so infrequently they're bowled over when they encounter it. She's going to not share that thought. She is working on humility and not jumping to heresy as soon as she notices something done differently than she'd do it. Maybe when I'm less busy, she says absently about having a slave who is in love with her. Or, actually, it seems to me like I barely have enough hours in the day as it is and don't really have time for entertainment. But becoming eviler isn't entertainment. It's really important. So maybe I should be prioritizing it more. Is this a good angle on becoming eviler, do you think? Do you want to have a slave in love with you for purposes of being more cruel to her? If yes, then let that be pursued by all means. Any Count's heiress could have the same for herself. If not, I think that forcing it isn't especially likely to be good for you. Hell's exact wordings often don't bear as much weight as we might hope when passing instructions down from Asmodeus but they did say to find the desires within yourself that would keep you out of Axis and not to force them. Well, then the answer is that I don't, especially because it sounds like a lot of work. NT-17, WIS-18, left wizard school when Asmodeus chose him. Noted as a strong mathematician back when he was in school. Loyal, obviously. When Asmodeus selected him, it wasn't in a temple or during prayer, as is most typical. But while he was witnessing the execution of a heretic, and he was initially concerned that the heretic's god had chosen him and immediately turned himself in. 25. Which is older than they were asked for. But two different teachers mentioned him when asked about math talents. An actual countess's heir who applied via the entirely different route of wanting to be in the next batch of Project Lawful Girls and get her own cake powers. There were something like 50 of those from various daughters of nobility. This is the one with Intelligence 17, Wisdom 15, Splendor 18, Third Circle at age 18, and an interest in mathematics for which she's received private tutoring since she was 14. A prior member of the Asmodean Inner Ring, who knows herself to be inescapably damned via the route of being unable to sincerely atone for what she's done. She's lived a proud life, but a disciplined one and has proven herself able to endure privations more severe than Project Lawful's living standards. We'll probably take orders from the Chosen of Asmodeus without problems, 
Having Asmodia instructor on her alter self seems more like it might run into issues of overt obedience and internal contempt. It will expend some noticeable amount of political capital if she ends up executed as an irretrievable heretic, but not disastrously so. It can be made clear to her mother that Project Lawful is not safe physically or spiritually. Yes, all right. I definitely want her, though we're going to have to be careful how we present that application to Keltham. I predict he hasn't extrapolated very much about nobles from the things he got told about nobles. I assume all the other such are much less promising? You'd think those hopefuls might deduce that the first batch being recruited from Ostenso's Wizard Academy would have tipped them off that we might possibly want something associated with wizardry in some fashion. But in this, you would be optimistic. I suppose I should not call it stupid. They saw a potential advantage, and it cost them little to ask if they might have it. Carissa finds it incomprehensible that not all nobles learn wizardry. Well, the ones who are sorcerers have an excuse, she guesses. Well, too bad, because we could use all their bluff, and I suspect they might have another angle on some of our deception challenges. We show Keltham some mediocre applicants, actually, since he doesn't think we did pre-filtering, though I expect it'll be easy enough to write their profiles such that he rejects them. A dangerous game, I think, if he perchance wants one of those anyways. If we have more than eight candidates, he must needs to do some selecting in any case. I think he is not expecting us to have filtered the candidates, but will be reasoning that governance has filtered it somehow, since we're not just presenting him with a list of every wizard student in Cheliacs. Intelligence 16, Wisdom 13, very pretty, a decent wizard, did fine in math class, and actually has an obligate rape fetish that mind reads show her as still being internally conflicted and in denial about. Would be a tier two researcher at best, though her prior accomplishments look no worse than Tonia's, say, but possibly useful for Sever's corruption plans? Honestly, Carissa is presently feeling worried that Keltham's just going to cheerfully do things that might technically be evil, but that he's very sure won't hurt anyone no matter what kinds of people she throws his way. But she doesn't actually have enough evidence to reach that conclusion. Just a doomy feeling. And we can get her a ring of sustenance and extra tutoring to keep up. Actually, can we quote Keltham a start date that's five or seven days out for all the new candidates for screening slash travel slash orientation so they're close on their rings and we get nights with them? Those will be extra important while they're new and getting oriented. All the potential obstacles I see to the later start date seem more your business than mine, Chosen. How Keltham reacts, whether the new candidates are then further behind in lessons compared to the previous. With respect to this particular candidate, I note that I don't have a solution yet in mind for getting Keltham to choose her when her overt accomplishments seem less than those of others. And we cannot tell him the real reason, and I am not sure what lie would reliably avoid being caught out. I presented her to you in hopes you would see a solution that has not yet come to me. Mm. Note from her recommender saying that she's only average at the calculating part of math and a little below average at how fast she works things out, but strikingly clever at deriving underlying rules and so on, where we can produce the strikingly clever by giving her a headband and extra six hours. Except that if she, 
the only candidate who seems slow inside classes but to show up the next day with better understanding, then turns out to possess a very convenient fetish from the standpoint of a conspiracy trying to corrupt Keltham sexually. I don't see how it gives very much away, actually, but I imagine Asmodia wailing and pleading that it didn't happen in Alter Cheliacs. In Alter Cheliacs, we just let Keltham pick which students he gets, and possibly we should just do that once we've filtered for loyalty. We can have a second list of girls for him to introduce once the project gets bigger and needs more than just very bright researchers. The review goes on for quite some time, though Subirax did front-load some of the more promising or interesting candidates. The other Project Lawful researchers are meanwhile working on their alter Cheliax personalities, in particular trying to make sure they have some. I think if we force this too much, it's not going to work, Gregoria says after two hours of personality workshopping sessions. Tanya's shy but speaks up when people are talking about farmers and sort of thinks of nobility as something from fairy tales. She has a massive crush on Keltham but has never dated anyone before and doesn't actually know how seducing people works and so she's planning to just nurse it forever. Peranza wants to travel the world, and now that she's seen civilization wants to travel there too even though that's probably metaphysically impossible. She's going to ask Keltham to ask if we can go to the beach and display some enthusiasm when we're shopping in Absalom via scry and read some travel novels. I think everyone should stop having sex and do their jobs though I'll change my mind if Keltham wants me. Whenever we try to add things on top of that, they seem artificial and stupid because that's actually perfectly descriptive of many people and most people don't also have a tragic backstory where their sister was murdered by muggers in front of them or an ex-boyfriend who was good and that's why they will only date evil people now or she rips up an entire ideas sheet demonstratively. It's okay if we're background characters as long as we're mastering law and asking Keltham good questions in class and not looking awestruck whenever he says, if the queen were mean to someone, you'd obviously overthrow the government or whatever. I think having a brother who joined a paladin order isn't that much of a weird backstory, doesn't require acting ability, and preserves some options for us later, says Meritzel. Leave it on the list for Savar to look at at least. Also leave on the one where your father died in the revolution where the queen took power. It'd be genuinely weird if none of us have relatives who did. Fine. Asmodia has mostly been trying to collect a list of everything that Keltham now has seen about Alter Cheliacs, and it is a long list, and she wants it to be shorter and then not grow anymore. But Keltham would unfortunately notice that, because in Alter Cheliacs, everyone would obviously be cheerful about Keltham learning more and more things. Occasionally, part of her mind overhears somebody as saying something that is not probability-sightful thinking, and she casts a sniper shot in that direction, like right now, where Keltham is obviously immediately going to ask how many people join paladin orders, in order to calculate exactly how odd that is, and even if the person he's asking shouldn't appear to know that they need to know it themselves, so that when Keltham asks correlated questions, he will get answers that all make sense, put together. Lunchtime comes around. Our failed not-researchers anymore welcome at lunchtime on the extra days, when they're not pretending to Keltham that Cheliacs is nice? If they make themselves useful, sure. Yaisa, in particular, should stay abreast on developments in Alter Cheliacs. They should get food last, obviously, after the valuable people. Gregoria thinks that in Alter Cheliacs, probably a lot of those who serve at the World Wound for a decade join a paladin order. But obviously they should check the rates from Taldor first. Between the eight girls, there are 30 living siblings, though, 
So lots of things that happen in altered Cheliacs in 1 in 30 people should be represented with someone's sibling. There's less security running fewer detect thoughts today, as they catch up on their own downtime, but lunch is a good time to scan everyone again. Security reports to Savar that Peranza's mind is obsessing about that thing the Queen said about torturing people until they start having thoughts again in a way that this particular security finds somewhat reminiscent of that earlier thing with being turned into a statue, which he absolutely does not mean any insult to the Chosen by observing. But he has seen Saver thinking at all about some things and is resigned to being a statue for a few decades after his own death, and possibly someone doesn't want Peranza to fall in love with the Queen or whatever it is that tropes do. Carissa is slightly worried that everyone, including her, is just using tropes as shorthand for extremely weird things will happen. But Peranza does seem concerning. Carissa has no idea how to tell if someone is obsessing over I'll hurt you until you have thoughts in a way that makes it a good idea to hurt them until they have thoughts or not. She tried being sympathetic and generous, and that didn't work at all. Maybe that's the indicator that the way to get through to Peranza is torture? Let's keep a closer eye on her, mind-read her more often, she responds. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash AI. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.